Thank you, Wesley. And there have been a lot of reasons to rejoice today. Man, a lot of good things that we've already been able to be a part of. Great to celebrate with Maddox and to think about then those who are going to be uh, traveling here for uh, not just vacation purpose, but for mission purpose. And then to think about this, the mission of God that is present in our lives every day and wherever it is that we go. Just a lot of things. And so I'm so glad that you've been able to be here this morning and to share in uh, this time. Uh, we're told that uh, we should not give up meeting together so that we might be able to encourage one another toward love and good deeds. And so I, I hope that you're being encouraged this morning and will continue to, to enjoy that. And uh, for a few minutes, I want us to uh, focus in, I hope you'll open up your Bibles to uh, Galatians. That's in your New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. I encourage you to open up there because over the last month, we've been talking about the results of a God-centered life. And how an intentional centering on the person of God leads to the persona of God being revealed in us. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, that place that you're finding right now, either in your Bible or on your phone or on your tablet, he described the character formation that takes place as fruit. And remember, it's not your fruit, it's not my fruit, it's, it's God's fruit. It's his character being revealed through me and, and, and through you. It's God transforming you more and more into the image of Christ. So Paul said, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life. And God then will produce in you the characteristics of Jesus. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and even his self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the result of a God-centered life. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to... Uh, we're going to hear in a few minutes, we're going to pray for that Spirit's fruit to grow wild in our life. But first, I just want you to kind of imagine yourself uh, in, in the grocery store. Go ahead and put that next picture up. I know I didn't mark it on my uh, page there for you, but um, th this is a normal-looking grocery store. You go in, and you start, looking for, you start looking for fruit, and chances are you're going to see something a lot like this, and you're going to be able to choose from apples, and there's going to be some grapes there, maybe some strawberries, maybe you're going to get some bananas. There's also going to be some oranges for you orange lovers that are out there. And um, you, you start going through this, but then you begin to realize, you know, there are some fruits out there that are kind of overlooked. And frankly, I just think they're disrespected. Now, I don't like fruit in general, and, and we've talked about this already, but I, I don't like the fact that some fruits are like held up higher than other fruits. And, and that there are just some fruits out there that are just disrespected and oftentimes kind of forgotten. So, so here's what I want to do. I just want to get kind of a show of hands to just to see how many of these fruits that, that you also overlook. How many of you guys on a regular basis go and buy figs? Any fig lovers out there? We have one. That is all. Oh, no, no, no. Here, here comes a couple. Now, do you notice when one person raises their hand, all of a sudden people are like, well, now I'll raise mine. You know, they were looking for that one lone fig lover that would step out there in faith. And then they're like, I got your back, brother. Now, look, fig newtons don't count. All right? I'm sorry. For those of you that kind of put the hand up uh, later, fig newtons do not count. But here's what I found out. I was just talking to um, Colin White when we were um, over here with the family getting ready there for Maddox's baptism, and I asked him if he had ever had a Fig Newton, and he said he had no idea what Fig Newtons were. 
So I took that as a no. He had never had a, um, he had never had a Fig Newton. Um, anybody else, especially those of you, you know, in the under, I don't know, 80 crowd? Have y'all had, um, have y'all had a Fig Newton? Any of you guys? So anybody not know what a Fig, any of you good people not know what a Fig Newton is? Anybody not had a Fig Newton? Colin, come, come up here just a minute, my friend. Um, come here. All right. I went to the store this morning, and, and I found Fig Newtons right here. It's a fresh pack, all right? And um, so I want you, I mean, everybody needs to have a Fig Newton one time in their life. You see, my grandparents had a fig bush that grew outside uh, of the house. Anybody else had a, had a fig bush that, that was outside? Some of you guys remember that? Now, I want you to look, Colin. Look how many people know what fig bushes and figs are, okay? They know that. Now... How many of you have ever eaten a Fig Newton before? Right? Look, look at all these people. They have lived, and, and it's all good. Now, there's always been a debate. Is it a cake or a cookie? Right? Kind, kind of a cake or a cookie. And, and so you're going, you're, you're going to try one of these. Look at that. Smell it. Go ahead. Doesn't that smell good? It doesn't? Right, that's, some, that's some good stuff right there. That, 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 that is good. All right, here. I want you, um, you go ahead and just reach in there and take one. All right, now, now hold on just a minute. All right, now, I, I got you some water right there, you know, if you need it, and I got a bag here for you if you just have to, um, you know. Not, not that that's not going to be, I mean, that's some good stuff, right? Now, again, show of hands, how many of you have had Fig Newtons before? This is going to be Colin White's first time ever having a Fig Newton. As Sean says, drum roll, please. All right, here we go. Right here. Let everybody see. And... No? All right. You sure? That's bad. That's bad? You don't want to take these with you to um, share with the family or anything? No. No? All right. All right. He, he says no. <laughs> See, there are some fruits that are just disrespected. I don't understand why. Now, uh, if anybody would like a, a Fig Newton, these will be on the table as you're leaving. Miss Jan, oh, you want one? All right. All right. See, here we go. You can have one. Oh, she loves the Fig Newtons. Look at that. Get a couple. There you go. Get, get, get a couple. There you go. All right. So uh, these will be on the table when you leave. If some of you just really, oh, Steve, would you, <laughs> would you like to have a few? All right. That's fine. Here you go. Take here. Why don't you just hold on to that for me? There we go. That's good. So there are just some fruits that are disrespected in, in, our, in our world. Uh, let, let me ask you about one more, okay? How about rhubarb? Anybody, anybody go to the grocery store to get rhubarb? Anybody? Nobody goes to get rhubarb? Now, uh, oh, you say, well, you grow it. Well, again, some people do. Like they have fig bushes. Some people grow rhubarb. Others, you know, go to fresh market somewhere to get that. And I know some of you probably thought that rhubarb was not a fruit, right? That it was a vegetable. However, it turns out that in 1947... A U.S. court ruled, officially, that rhubarb is a fruit. Apparently, it was a slow judicial year. And they just decided they were going to correct some things in life. And so, rhubarb is a fruit. After all, if it wasn't a fruit, you could not have rhubarb what? Pie. Yeah. So, let's get that picture up there. Now, that looks a lot better. Right? Now, how many of you have had rhubarb pie before? And look at all. I do not have rhubarb pie for anybody. I'm sorry. I know. That... 
People are more upset about that than the Fig Newtons. They're like, oh, man, no rhubarb pie. Uh, you can get the figs if uh, Steve will let you have the rest of those Fig Newtons, but no rhubarb pie. But here's the thing with these. Uh, very rarely do we go out of our way to get either one of these things, the figs or the rhubarb. We just don't think about them that much, and, they, and they're kind of like forgotten fruits. And it's sort of like the fruit of the Spirit. It's a lot like the fruit of the Spirit, especially those that come at the end of Paul's text here. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, you ask a random Christian to name the fruits of the Spirit, and she'll probably get the first two or three. But the rest is kind of, yeah, right? You ask somebody and they'll say, oh yeah, fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's, kind, of, that's kind of it. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't know these things. We're, we're, not, we're not familiar with them because we, we just don't know. And because we don't know, then we do not have that character within us. We don't think about the fruit. And because we don't think about that fruit, the character of Jesus, that God wants to grow in us, it's just not there. And because we don't think about becoming more Christ-like, guess what? We don't. We just don't. But we've said already, the fruit of the Spirit cannot be produced unless we desire it. The Spirit of God cannot produce what I do not want. And the character of Christ will not be forced on any of us. Even though I force Colin, you know, to eat the Fig Newton, it's not, that's not going to be how God is, where he's going to pull you up on stage in front of everybody and say, you've got to be more gentle. It's not going to happen that way. But multiple times, multiple times the Apostle Paul described Christ formed in you as the goal of his ministry. And I think the reason he did it is because the character of Christ that image of Christ, is to be at the heart of Jesus' people. See, you and I, it's not about how often you come to church. It's not about even really how much you read your Bible. It's about, is the character of Christ actually being seen in you? Is it changing you? And if it's changing you, then is it changing the relationships that you're involved in? Is this world that you participate in different because the character of Christ is being produced in you? You see, Paul longed for believers to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that Christ himself would actually be shaping their whole life from the inside out. But we don't know what God wants to grow in our life. And so he doesn't. But he wants to. Man, he wants to put some self-control in your life. He wants to be able to grow some patience for you. He wants there to be more kindness in the words that you use. He wants there to be the image of Christ in your life, but we don't know, so it doesn't grow. And so I was wondering, well, why do we neglect something that seems to be so important? Here's kind of what I came up with. I think we tend to think of what God calls fruit as just our own personality traits. We kind of equate what God wants to grow in us as just our own personality. And, and what I've kind of discovered from studying this and then talking to other people is that we just tend to think of patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control as just personality traits. Something that is kind of hardwired into our DNA. Either it's there or it's, or it's not. And we associate patience with personality and goodness and gentleness with genetics. And it's heredity. It's ancestry, we say. So either we have self-control or we don't. 
Either we are kind like grandma or we're harsh like grandpa. We're faithful like mom or unreliable like dad. And so we talk about gentleness and we talk about these things. And you might look at your own life and say, look, it'd be really great if some of these characteristics were present in my life, but you should just see the family that I come from, right? You should just see my family. We're all just kind of hot-headed people. We have a hard time winning friends and influencing people. We discuss patience and self-control, and you say, you know, Chris, patience just really isn't how I'm wired. You know, I've got a really short fuse. You say, I'm just real impulsive. Self-control is not really a family motto. That's not really how, how we roll. And so we tend just to write off the fruit of the Spirit as a personality trait that either we might or we might not have. And then in doing so, we give ourselves license then to go and act in any way that we choose because, well, it's just our human nature. And we say, this is just who I am. And look, that might be so. That may be how you're hardwired. It might be more natural for you to respond in anger than with compassion. That might be how you're hardwired. Or it might be more natural to give a sarcastic reaction than a sincere response. You say, man, that's just, that's just me. And everybody knows it. That's, that's just me. Maybe it's more natural for you to be critical than to be encouraging. And you know it. Maybe it's easier to speak up than to hold your tongue. It's what just feels natural. But, but Paul says that what feels natural is, is actually antithetical with, with life in the kingdom of God. They're incongruent. They, they cannot coexist together. In fact, earlier there in chapter 5, he talks about how that, that there are these two different entities that are warring within all of us. It's this desire that we have with the flesh, and it's this desire from the Spirit, and they're in conflict with each other because they cannot exist together. And so you look in Galatians chapter 5, and Paul talks about our personality. He talks about our hardwiring. He talks about the fits of rage and the selfishness and the jealousy and the conflict. But you know what he calls it? He, he refers to it as our sinful nature. He doesn't say, oh, this is just how you're like your ancestry. He doesn't say, this is just how you're like grandma. He doesn't say, this is just kind of, just, just kind of what, what, what you get. This is just who you are. He says, this is part of your sinful nature. The actions of our flesh, he says. He says, this is your fruit. This is what you grow. This is what naturally grows in a person's life. But then Paul lists what God wants to grow in the life of a person that is centered on him. And we can't say this enough, that fruit is the result of a God-centered life. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're not personality traits that are shared with us by our ancestors. These are the character, or this is the character of Jesus that is grown in us by our Creator. And so even though you might not have some of these attributes in your life, and it might not be your first language, it doesn't mean that God can't change you. It doesn't mean that you can't be more loving. It doesn't mean that you cannot learn to be self-controlled. It, it does not mean that, that there cannot be patience and, and goodness and, and kindness. And these things that you say, well, they're just not in my life. It doesn't mean that God can't grow them up. Really, what it means right now is that we're just not looking for that fruit. We're content with the fruit that we produce. 
and we don't realize what God wants to grow in our life. Now, how many of you guys have ever watched uh, Dancing with the Stars? Oh, I know, some of you are like, uh, do I put my hand up on that one? Yeah, man, that was worse than figs. I mean, you ought to saw some of you guys. There, there, there were a couple of you, some of you, you know, in, in the back, the furthest away from coming and repenting. Um, you, you were back there, and man, that hand shot up, and there were others of you, you were like, you know, I'm just going to put my arm around my wife uh, right here. Um, Dancing with the Stars, right? Uh, now look, I, I've watched it also, but only when the football players were on the show. Just gonna, you know, when they had Emmett Smith and Jerry Rice and, and Heinz Ward, I mean, I, I, all right, I'll, I'll be honest and watched it. But most of the celebrities on that show, on, on Dancing with the Stars, that they didn't have any kind of dancing background before they began, and it was very awkward for them. And they would begin very clumsily, and, and they would begin learning steps, and, and they would try to pay special attention, and, and they would talk to themselves as they were, were trying to remember, where do I put my feet, and where do my hands go, and, and what do I do, and, and, and it was just really, it was really humorous to kind of watch these stars who were, who were very competent in other areas of their lives struggle in something that, well, there are some that make it look very easy. But day after day, practice after practice, eventually what would begin to happen is that after these six to eight hours worth of practice days, many of them, not all of them, but, but many of them, their, their feet would just start to know what to do. There was this muscle memory that began to set in. And while at first those steps were very awkward and forced, soon after, after all the repetition with enough intentionality, it just became more natural for them. And guys, I really believe this is how it is with keeping in step with the Spirit of God. See, when you become a Christian, things just don't change for you overnight. They don't. And if you've been out there and you're thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm really, thinking about, really thinking about stepping over and becoming part of Team Jesus. You know, really stepping over that line and, and, and giving God my life, trusting Him and my salvation. That I, I'm really thinking about being baptized, just like Maddox was, you know, today, and your expectation maybe is like the very next day or, or maybe that same day that boom, man, some of these temptations are not going to be as strong and, and I'm going to have a different outlook and different personality and, and, and everything's just going to be different. But understand, fruit doesn't grow overnight. Instead, you keep in step with the Spirit. You feed your soul with the things of God. Well, well things like this time of, of, of praise and study that, that we're enjoying right now. Things like worship and fasting and silence and reading and the memorization of Scripture. You, know, you, you participate in these and, and in other disciplines that help you center on God, that help you get the focus off of yourself. You center on God in, in things like love and joy and, and peace and patience Things like kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and gentleness and even self-control will become the new natural in your life. Now, now maybe, maybe not right away. And, and maybe you even look right now and no one would describe you as being patient. And, and maybe nobody would describe you even as being dependable or, or, or joyful. Maybe even gentle. And maybe you're anything but self-controlled and, and loving. But, but we're promised that as we we walk with the Spirit, the Spirit will begin to grow this fruit in our life, and it will become like a new natural. It, it becomes who you are, because God wants to change you 
from the inside out. I think a lot of Christians have this perspective that, well, they, that, that God, well, he, he offers me salvation, and, and, and there are these good things you can read about in his word, but, but really, then I just kind of do my own thing, and I just kind of live my own way, and, but, but, but I know God, and, and God knows me, and for whatever reason, we've missed out on the idea, on the truth, that God, God accepts us all where we are, but he doesn't want us to stay that way. He wants there to be change that takes place, not because we try harder, but because we focus on him more, and that allows the Spirit of God to begin to grow this fruit in our life. It happens. Lee Strobel, the journalist turned Christian apologist and author, he writes about how the fruit of the Spirit impacted his family. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, my daughter Allison was five years old when I became a follower of Jesus. All she had known in those five years was a dad who was profane and angry. I remember I came home one night and I kicked a hole in the living room wall just out of anger with life. I'm ashamed to think of the times Allison hid in her room just to get away from me. But five months after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he says, that little girl went to my wife and said, Mommy, I want what God, or I want God to do for me what he did for Daddy. I want God to do for me what he did for Daddy. She was five years old, but she could already see a change in her dad. And Strobel writes, do you understand what she was saying? She had never studied the archaeological evidence or the fulfillment of prophecies. All she knew was that her dad used to be this way and hard to live with. But more and more, her dad was becoming this way. And if that's what God does for people, then sign her up. I love that. God wants to change us and then attract other people to Jesus. It's the result of a God-centered life. It's the result of the fruit of the Spirit. And so here's how I want to end our time. I just want to spend some time praying this morning that fruit that we have perhaps forgotten or didn't even know about will be grown in us. And as I speak this prayer aloud, I, I want you guys to be thinking about some of these different character traits of Jesus. And I want you to be thinking about how those are, are growing in your life. Or, or I want you to think about whether or not there's more of your own fruit in your life than the Spirit's. And, and just, just have a little talk with Jesus. Let, let's just have a little conversation here and be real with God. All right? Father, I pray that I pray that your love would change the way we see those who are different from us. That we would not love that we would not love like we see on television, that we would not love like we see in social media. That that we would not even love the way that perhaps has been demonstrated in our families, but Father that we would love like you love. And it would change the way that we treat those who look different, act different, to make different choices than we do, who, 
who bother us and get on our nerves at work, who really frustrate us at school, people within our own, own families that just keep asking and asking and asking more and more. And Father, help us to love like you, not because we try harder, but because we focus on you. And Father, let your joy just spill from our heart so that we can encourage others. Let us be known as people who are just joy-filled. Not just because we're happy, because life is good, but even in the midst of difficult circumstances that we still have reasons to praise, that we still have, have reasons to point others to you because your joy is just overflowing. And, and Father, allow it to be contagious. Allow it to be something that just pours out all over others so that we might be able to rejoice together. And, and Father, let your peace calm us. Let your peace right now calm us. I know that there are people in this room who have just had some chaotic days and weeks and months. And I just pray that, that your spirit would be the calming influence. And Father, that your patience would slow us. That we would slow down, that we would be able to take more time in our focus of you, but also then to be able to focus on others, that we might be able to, to enjoy time with family more, that we might be able to see those who are driving next to us, who are walking down the sides of the street, those that we pass in the hallways. Father, just slow us down with your spirit and let your kindness influence how we treat others. Let your kindness be seen in us so that, so that even though if our first language is one to be harsh and to and to be sarcastic, even though if our first language is to, to, to raise our voice, that your kindness, though, would overflow, that your kindness would be something that, that would be a marker where people would look and say, I don't, I don't know what it is about you, but something has changed. You just seem to be kinder. And Father, I pray that your goodness would be our moral compass that we would see the way that Jesus lived his life, that we would see the good that he did, and that then we would desire to, to go and seek out, seek out ways in which to express your goodness, that we, would, that we would seek those things not of selfish gain, but instead we would seek your, your will. That we would ask, Father, what is it that you would desire of us? Where is it that you want us? Where do you want us to, to live? How, where do you want us to work? Where what are these relationships that you want us to have? Where does good need to be seen? Allow, allow the goodness of your spirit to guide our lives. And Father, may we have the faithfulness of Jesus that we might look to you and that we might be obedient, that we might put you first in all things and that the obedience that we have for you would also flow into our relationships, that there would be a faithfulness within our marriages, there would be a faithfulness in our business dealings. There'd be a faithfulness in the way that we stand beside other brothers and sisters in Christ. That we say, I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you because I know that's how my God is with me. Father, let your gentleness, let your gentleness be evident to, to all where we have taken again our will and placed it under yours that it, it will change the Again, the tone in which we speak, it will change our, our actions, Father. It will, it will change the way in which we interact with, interact with those that, that oftentimes we allow their actions to influence us. 
And so we respond on social media in the same way, with the same spirit, with the, with the same kind of verbiage that we see other people. But Father, allow your gentleness to change all that. May we be known for, for having soft hands in the way that we reach out to those who are around us. And Father, will you let your self-control tame our temper? We pray that your self-control would, would overcome the anger that we feel. Anger towards, anger towards members of our family, anger towards those that we have worked with in the past, those who, who looked over us for promotions, those who, for, for whatever reasons, looked over us just in life in general. And we become so upset, we become so consumed, oftentimes with, with vengeance, we allow your self-control to temper that. And also to, to temper us when it, when it comes to just wanting to, to live a life of license and, and, and do whatever we want and, and act in our way seems fit to us. Father, help us to learn what it is to be controlled by your Spirit so that we might be able to follow in his steps and follow in the character of your Son. Father, thank you for wanting to grow us. Thank you for wanting to, to change us. I pray now that you would turn our hearts, that you would turn our minds to the forgotten fruit, to the fruit of your Spirit. Father, I pray that each one of us would ask right now that that Spirit produce a harvest in our life. May we be known as your people because we have centered ourselves on you and the character of your son is evident. In the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, as we close out our time together, I want you to know that um, um, some of the fruit doesn't always taste great the first time you try it. Just like Colin had to um, find out that uh, Fig Newton, self-control and patience and gentleness, some of those things, that's not your natural voice. It's not going to taste really good when you first try it, but I want you to continue and I want you to keep in step with the Spirit. And if you'd like to just have some one-on-one conversation with, with one of our elders here in our church, I'd love for you to have that time this morning. We, we have a prayer room that's just off our lobby. You can have an opportunity to go and just spend some time in prayer, have some conversations about some of the things that we've shared. And if you're one of those that's like, you know what, I, it's time to sign me up and, and I'm ready for that fruit to be produced in my life. Look, the fruit doesn't just happen if you're outside of Christ. It's only because you've been clothed with Christ and you've been filled with the Spirit. And Scripture says that you were filled then with the Spirit when you were baptized into Christ, just like Maddox demonstrated earlier today. And we'd love to celebrate with you if that was your need. And you're welcome to come and let that be known this morning. But if you're one of the many who are just out here saying, you know what, I've just been living by my own fruit and I've just been getting frustrated and it just seems like nothing seems to work, okay, don't spit it out. Don't, don't spit out what the Spirit is trying to grow in your life. Instead, you, you, you keep on participating in, in those disciplines that we mentioned and, and you keep on worshiping and you keep on memorizing and you keep on walking and, and, and you walk with others who are already on this journey and then over time, even though you couldn't make it on Dancing with the Stars, I promise you can make it in God's kingdom because over time it's going to become a new natural and a new normal and I hope you have fruit. Why don't we stand and give God praise? If you need to respond, please do so today.